What's going on, world? I'm Nick Ross, and this is Fish Tank Sessions. People of the world, we have Jacob Cool with us tonight, Auto Degenerate. And if you don't know Jacob or Auto Degenerate, he's actually a really good friend of mine that I've known for a couple of years now. And I thought it would be worthwhile for him to kind of come in and speak a little bit about what he does. He's a DJ. He plays at a lot of events. A lot of people in Dallas know who he is. And we really wanted to find out what some of his inspirations are, kind of how we got into DJing, and perhaps maybe give us a little bit of tips of, you know, maybe how other DJs out there could be promoting themselves a little bit stronger, or also ways that they can maybe bring in more crowds, or just in total, be a better DJ. So, why don't I go ahead and turn it over to you, man? I mean, you're sitting right next to me. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and kind of just tell us a little bit about you and who you are. Hey, so I am Jacob and thanks for having me on your show, dude. It's really good to see friends taking steps into making podcasts a reality. So um, Thanks, man. Yeah. So basically, uh, one of my, I guess, taglines or mottos I say is I'm a software developer by day and DJ by night. That's uh, kind of how my life works right now is I got my Monday through Friday day job and then focus on building out the scene locally here in Dallas and Fort Worth and uh, trying to make a trying to make a wave in the scene. No, I mean, that's cool, especially since you mentioned that I've, I've been seeing you've been playing a lot more in Fort Worth, which, you know, I've talked about this before on other shows and there really wasn't a whole big scene in Fort Worth for a long time. And now I feel like you're in Fort Worth all the time. Yeah, that's that's the thing is I know every time I would go out in Dallas and I would meet someone out there and they'd be like, hey, I'm from Fort Worth and I am so sick and tired of having to drive in to Dallas every Friday or Saturday for something to do. So we ended up getting an opportunity to do one show at where we do our weekly events now. And we did so well that they were like, hey, how would you like to make this a every week kind of thing? So we started from there and just kind of built it from the ground up. So were they playing like EDM music before you guys um, got involved? Supposedly before, um, about five years ago, they were doing shows at the same place they were doing them at the Red Goose Saloon. But then they stopped doing it, and then they've only been doing top 40 and open format style shows. So it's kind of the you know, the normal bar crowd that you would see on an every Friday night. Top 40, like a, like a Now album? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like that, <laughs> that Drake, all that good stuff, you know. And the club owner took a chance and said, hey, y'all want to do an EDM night? Bring all sorts of different genres of EDM. Show us what you can do. And... We just been focusing, focusing hard, bringing new people, locals, and just trying to make a name for ourselves and give the people of Fort Worth something to do because I got tired of hearing that from people. <laughs> and you said that was the Red Goose Saloon? Red Goose Saloon, right off of Sundance Square. So how often do they actually have you and, and possibly some other friends of yours play or is it like a regular thing now? Uh, yeah, right now it's every, every single Thursday. Uh, we are open from 9 to 2 a.m. And it's all free cover right now, so just just show up, come and have a good time, listen to some good music, see some people you may have never seen, and hopefully come out fans of some of our locals. I gotta ask because you you've been doing this ever since I've known you, and I, I kind of want to know, and you know I'm sure some other people might want to know, how did you kind of get into being a DJ? 
Um, DJing for me actually first started in college uh, at around 2010. One of my people that I was with in college, when we'd go do homework together, he had this little small, little small crappy deck that we had at his house. So once we got done with our work, we'd throw that on and we'd just kind of mess it around. Neither one of us are really good, knew what we were doing. But eventually that led me to go and I really kind of like doing this. And I like the music in the scene. And then I think it was probably Tomorrow World after Seven Lions watching that set. I was like, this is what I want to do. I was with you at Tomorrow World. Mm-hmm. And I remember of all the sets that I saw at Tomorrow World, that Seven Lions set was one of the most inspirational sets that I have seen. I mean, being there and just seeing how many people were there. Because that was my first big festival. Right. And Coming from Euphoria being my first one, you know, I didn't really know what to kind of get into until I went to Tomorrow World. And I remember at a point just being there in the crowd and just looking in front of me, looking to the right and the left of me and behind me and just seeing the ocean of people. And it just absolutely blew my mind. Yeah, that I I actually my first big one was EDC. And that one just is a lot to process because there's you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 150,000 people there on a Saturday. And it's just, it's just mind boggling to see that many people. And I did have a really good time. And, but I was like, I don't know, because I've always had music as a background. I play guitar, drums, piano, and DJing never seemed like that interesting to me. I enjoyed the like party aspect and the meeting new people aspect, but 100% Tomorrow World, that Seven Lions set was where I was like, all right, we're going to take this serious now. We're going to try and get to this level at some point. <laughs> no, I don't blame you. I mean, like I said, it was it blew my mind to see the amount of people that were at that, at that Seven Lions set over at Tomorrow World, and it was just insane. So, like, um, I'm thinking because you got into DJing in 2010, like you said, and obviously you kind of had a big breakthrough when you saw that, but... um. You know, what kind of, before, you know, 2010, I'm sure there may have been some thoughts in your head that maybe you were like, I kind of want to be a DJ. I want to figure this out. So like, what was your big inspiration to, to do it? I think it was probably just going to a lot of shows and going to different things. The natural course is going to be the after party at people's houses. Once the show is over, you go to their house and now you're like, hey, we kind of want to listen to the same type of music. And eventually I was like, hey, why can't I just like get me a little small deck and start playing at these house parties? And that's kind of where it all started was the after parties and trying to keep stuff going. Uh, it seems kind of kind of like a similar trend as far as what a lot of uh, aspiring DJs are doing now. When you can get into that house party scene where you know people are leaving the show or they're leaving the event and they want to kind of keep that party going, and they have someone like you that can kind of go in and, and keep the mood level. Yeah, that's... That's one of the probably one of my favorite things about DJing is because you you determine if the party's going to keep going or not. If you're not playing what people want to listen to, you're being boring. They're all going to want to go home. You got to kind of like go with the crowd, exactly. And I'm sure you. So I mean, I've seen you play different styles of music, um, anywhere from dubstep to rhythm, even house. So like, do you kind of have a preference to music that you actually prefer to play? Not really. That's that's kind of my problem sometimes is I still kind of lead. I still kind of have way more fun when I play Psytrance, even though maybe it's 
kind of not as quick paced as some like if you want to go fast you play dubstep you can go and play you know 10 tracks in like five minutes and it's kind of your sporadic and it's kind of fun but when you play trance you can take time mix songs over a minute two minutes and just kind of chill out and build the vibe and not be kind of like all right i gotta queue up this next track i gotta figure out where we're gonna bring this in at and it's a lot lot less stressful no i i could see the you know i could see the stress point especially if you want to you know you want people to like what you're playing and you want to be noticed and you want people to kind of take a take a second look and be like oh shit you know who is this guy this guy's throwing down some beats so like do you have like a preferred you know artist or that you know kind of just stands out with you that just really you know gets you going um probably one of my favorites to see live uh that gets me going like that is going to be schism Every time I see him perform, it's not only sounds good, it's just a technical like masterpiece to watch him play. Because not a lot of DJs nowadays will mix with more than two tracks up at a time. When you watch Schism play from the top, I never forget when we're up at Lizard Lounge, he's got like four faders up, all four decks. You're like, this is insane. Like Most people don't ever live mix four tracks all at the same time. A lot of the times when he does his mixing, people will be like, hey, what's the name of that one track that you just played? He's like, no. I'm playing four right now. Yeah, yeah. This is not a new track. This is just four, and you haven't heard it like this before. (laughs) (laughs) It can certainly be a little bit confusing then to the person that has no idea what he actually is playing. Yeah, for a standard uh, party goer, they probably have no idea what Schism is doing up there. Spinning four tracks has to be pretty difficult to do yeah it takes definitely takes a lot of preparation and your timing's got to be on point definitely definitely something fun to watch if you ever have a chance to see him next and you can get like a top level vip look down just sit there don't even don't even necessarily have to listen just watch the man work yeah and it's insane wow you you mentioned a little bit about the red goose saloon and that's kind of where you're playing primarily every week now why don't you maybe tell us about any future events that you might have lined up or also tell us about some events that you've done in the past. Yeah. So right now, uh, future events that we got going is going to be the flow fair, which is a local event that's put on by pretty much every Dallas collective that is around in the area. And it's going to be trying to kind of recapture some of the vibes that people liked about Middlelands with the Renaissance vibe, but keeping it locals only. And trying to build some more awareness about locals. So when is uh, when is Flow Fair going to be? That is at the end of March. I actually just have him pull up the dates here. So it's coming up then. Yeah, yeah, it's coming up real close. Nice, okay. Well, hey, man, if everybody wants to go check out Auto Degenerate, go check them out at Flow Fair. Yeah, we're going to be out there, and I'm also going to be volunteering at the, uh, the Med Tent on Friday. So if you have to come see me at the Med Tent on Friday, I shall be there. From just from my experience with you, you also played Groove Cruise, did you not? Yes, Groove Cruise was honestly one of the most insane experiences as a musician artist, and it kind of showed what the power of friendship can do for you. Groove Cruise, there was a couple of people that decided they wanted to go, and our friend group is so large and so organized. Where Nick DeSheffy was like, "Hey, let's get everybody together and let's get some rooms." And he was like, hey, well, we should be getting discounts. So we went and reached out to the booking people. And they were like, okay, we can give you these discounts. And Nick was like, hey, by the way, one of our people is a DJ. What would it take to get him on stage? And they were like, 
well, as many people as you already brought, let's just submit a mix. If his mix passes, we'll put him on. And ended up submitting a mix, and they liked it. And they ended up putting us on the lineup, which was insane to see for someone small like me to see my name on a festival flyer that's... On a cruise ship. On a cruise ship, nonetheless, with people like Cosmic Gate, people that I've looked up to. Right. Like, that definitely blew me away. So would you say that out of all the events that you've played at, was that maybe your most memorable moment or have you had something else that maybe tops that? It it 100% is because of how it happened. Because we were supposed to play a set inside of the atrium, which the atrium is inside the cruise ship where the elevators go up and down. And we go in there and I go up to talk to the stagehand right before. He's like, oh, by the way, we're moving y'all. We're like, oh, uh, where are we going? Why? And he's like, well, the owner of Groove Cruise decided to move y'all because one of his staff is getting married and they want the atrium. And I'm like, okay, that's cool, whatever. I'm like, so where are we moving to? And they're like, we're moving you to the main stage up on the top pool deck. Oh, shit. And I'm like, um, with five minutes notice, I look over at uh, Moody, who's with us, and I'm like, uh, I hope you guys are ready. Um because we're about to go set up here with the big boys. (laughs) (laughs) That had to be like a a rush, like when you found that out, especially if you know, for one, it was a last minute thing whenever you got even to submit a playlist and they accepted it. And so you already had a booking on Groove Cruise and then you were going to be playing at a smaller stage. And then all of a sudden, hey, we're giving you main stage on the top roof deck. Yeah, because it it slowly kind of creeped in because once we knew we were getting booked, that was really... A milestone and then the next thing we know we are getting emails from hospitality so we're getting email and the people that were running hospitality was from insomniac so when you get an email that says like you know so and so at insomniac is asking you questions about what you want on your rider you're like um what do i even ask for should i even ask for anything it's probably like all new. I mean, you probably haven't got pulled into a situation like that before, especially yeah. when Insomniac's involved. I mean, as big of players as they are. Yeah, that was that was the first time I've actually had to come up with a writer and be like, all right, um, what do I even want? Did you figure it out? We, we put a bunch of stuff down uh, just to kind of see what they would do. And we ended up, when we got up to the stage, there was two tall magnums of Grey Goose sitting backstage ready for us. And we were just kind of like, oh, um, interesting. I didn't think they would actually do this, but they definitely take care of you. You for are sure. now the party. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's pretty wild. I can only imagine kind of that rush that was going through you, especially at that moment. So whenever you first went on, um, on that main stage on the roof deck, what, what kind of was going through your head? Uh, like most people probably in a situation, panic, panic for a little bit while you're walking around behind the stage, waiting for the previous DJ to get off. You're like, okay. Um, Because I'm a person that I don't pre-plan my sets at all. I go, let's download, let's find 100 tracks, enough that could probably fill up an hour set. Let's download them and just throw them on here. And then when it's showtime, just let go and figure out how to build your set while you're playing live for the first time. Some of these tracks I've only listened to once, much less ever played them. Well, that's kind of cool. So it's like you don't have like a pre-recorded set so you're just kind of you know picking picking the tracks that you know that you like and then just kind of putting them all together as you go and that's got to be a little difficult to do on the spot it it is but i think that if if i was to do it the other way around i would be bored 
uh, to be honest. It's like I don't I don't necessarily enjoy the preparation side of DJing. I like the art of showing up and saying, hey, can you make this work? Sometimes it blows up in my face. And sometimes you try to force stuff that doesn't work together. And you're just like, oh, well, crap. I hope nobody cares <laughs> or notices right there. Sure. But, well, I think a lot of people, especially like, um, you know, people that haven't maybe been out into that actual the show light might get a little bit nervous, especially if it's their first time, even whether it's a new venue that they've never played at before, or they're playing at a, right. you know, main stage on the roof deck of a cruise ship for in the middle cruise. of the Bahamas at night. I mean, come on with full stage production. Yeah. That's gotta be badass. Yeah. Well, 100%. Like it took me a month to like come back to reality after that. Like there was like, there was nothing that anyone could say or do to me to make me feel bad about anything. Cause I was way too happy about that. <laughs> Since you were kind of talking about that a little bit, I wanted to kind of leverage a little bit further. So, I mean, we all we all make mistakes every day, especially, you know, if you're up there recording or not recording, but if you're up there playing your mix, and like you just said, you know, the last thing you want to do is make some big mistake and then, you know, hope no one catches it. What would you say is like a mistake that you see a lot of new DJs doing um, and what advice would you give them to, you know, maybe continue the hustle and being an aspiring DJ? Probably from from a performance standpoint, it's uh, there is a term that people call tractor face, which comes from like laptop DJs originally, but it can also happen on CDJs too, is where you're so focused down on the screens, looking through your songs, looking through your stuff to what you want to play, that you're not paying attention that no one in the crowd is liking what you're playing. So at that point, you're so focused on playing what you already pre-planned or the route that you were going, you didn't even notice that, hey... Everyone at the bar is just sitting there bored. So you're, yeah, they're just like looking around, like yeah, okay, looking I around can't for you to, to this. They're not having a good time, so it's almost like they're just waiting for okay, who's up next? Yeah, you need to be able to. That's that's the beauty of not having pre-planned sets because what if you pre-plan a set and they don't like it? And they don't like it. Well, guess what? If you're going to keep going down that route, you're going to be in trouble. So basically, <laughs> what you're saying is, you know, notice your crowd. Yes, that's. I think the most important thing as a DJ should be number one on your priority. Every time you go out there, you're there to make people dance and have a good time. It's not about you maybe flexing your DJ skills. Like even if you're technically awesome, but your track selection is garbage, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. Gosh, no, I mean, I can get that. Cause I mean, there's even been times too, where I've even gone out to shows with, um, you know, with bigger, bigger, well-known DJs that, you know, you're all pumped up to go yeah. see. Like I'll give an example, you know, over at, um, at Wobble Land when Adventure Club played, you know, over at, um, Bomb Factory, I was super pumped for Adventure Club. Like I really was like, I mean, Adventure Club is just, yeah, it's, 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 it's got the, it's got the nostalgia. It is does. hitting you a little bit. And that's what I was looking for was that yeah. nostalgia. And then, you know, when I watched their set play, cause they came on last, it just it was nothing to what I was expecting. I didn't hear any of that nostalgia, any of that melodic. It was just all bass in the face, which again, there's a time and a place for that. And I enjoy that. But you know, we just heard nonstop bass yeah, for yeah, hours. You're a, you're a wobble and it's going to be 150 bro step bumping you in the face constantly. And then, you know, I was looking for some of that feels when adventure club played and it just kind of let me down. So, you know, and again, I'm just one person, but like, like Jacob said, you got to almost kind of follow that crowd and play what people are going to groove to. No, yeah, that, I mean, definitely. that makes a lot of sense. I, I honestly never thought about that from a DJ perspective. You know, I do see a lot of, um, 
you know, younger DJs playing. And I do, you know, always see them just looking down. Like you could barely see their face. Right. Right. They're, they're, they're not, they're not paying. It's either, it's either that they're, they don't know about that yet or, or it could also be a sign of nerves too, where they, you know, can't look up. They look up and they're going to lose track. Cause that's, you know, bedroom, bedroom producers and bedroom DJs, they might be able to like blow out a mix and go crazy in their bedroom. When but no this, one's watching. When the, the second you put you inside of a club with live people, it's a different story. I can I can totally see that and definitely understand how that would be a big uh, a big thing to look out for for anyone that's on stage performing anything, whether it's giving a speech, a presentation, or performing a set. And and the other number one thing that I could say for starting out DJs to uh, do is don't touch the master volume. So many. People come up and they think that they're badass and that they brought, you know, they're they're on the lineup now. They're going to come and crank the master because they think they're more important than everybody else. And then like blow out your speakers. So how does that work? Talk, tell us a little bit about the master volume. control. Uh, so pretty much every every controller, uh, CDJs, uh, whatever, has a master volume. Right. So that that master volume feeds into all your main speakers. And even on the decks, it's got, you know, green. That means it's okay. Then it goes up to yellow, and then it starts peaking at red. And when it starts peaking at red, it starts giving distortion into the speakers. And and not only does it, maybe it's technically kind of louder, but it starts getting signal loss. So the, sound, starts, the sound quality it sounds goes like, down. Yeah, it sounds like crap. So they think they're doing themselves a favor by making themselves louder. But it's like, hey, we have a really nice soundboard. We have a sound guy. Don't touch it or you lose your hands. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, I've I could, had to do that. I've had to do that, you know, three or four times where there's some kid who's even, who's even maybe been playing out a couple of times. And I'm like, Hey, like we gave you a good spot. We even gave you a good spot on the lineup. And now you're going to come here and blow out our masters. Like, no, sir. Like take it down a notch, bro. Like it's okay. You're not on EDC main stage. You're not carnage. Like don't do that. Leave your air horn at home. Exactly. So I got a question for you because, I mean, we've, we've had the chance to – we've been friends for a while. And we've had a chance to go to a lot of events together and festivals. And I'm just curious, you know, if you could be stuck in a year, a year's music scene, whether it be 2019, 2018s, 2010s, anything of that, which year would you say was your most favorite? Ooh, that one's a tough one. It would probably – have to be between 2016 and 2017, I think, because that was that was around the time where I had been in the scene long enough that when I was going out, I knew the undercard artists to look for, and I had a lot more variety versus oh here's Avicii, here's Calvin Harris, like here's the big names. All right, now what do I do? Now I go home. Now once I kind of been more engrossed into the scene. I knew not to just look for the big names. I'm like, all right, let's see what's on the undercard. Do I want to go over here? And then I ended up most all those years, like every like same thing at Backwoods and most every other festival. I'm not ever at the main stage much anymore, except for certain times. The other times I'm at the little small stages. I think that's super important, especially looking out for the underdog, because I, I will say, you know, I, I purchased my Electric Forest ticket this year and then I saw somebody in the Electric Forest fam group 
post a one of the schedule lineups from I think it was 2015, possibly 2014, and then you see some of the bigger names that we see today yeah. on that on, bottom. On, on like I think it was like 11 or 2012, like Bass Nectar was like on the very bottom of the Electric Forest lineup. So if that tells you anything. It's like if someone like him can be on the bottom of a lineup, like right. you never know who you're going to find. No, and even I think on that same one, I mean, Elenium was down there, Liquid Stranger you could barely find just down there at the very bottom. Yep. And it's just amazing to see, you know, where these underdogs go in just a couple of years. So I think you really got to shed some time and some light on those underdogs because you never know who is going to be that big player in three, four years yeah, down the like, road. Yeah, like especially in the electronic music scene, someone can blow up overnight. They can just go from, you know, never played a show to now they're headlining festivals. Like, you never know. All it really takes is one really good song, right? Yeah, exactly. And then they're going to blow it out. And next thing you know, boom, 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 they're in the festival circuit. Next thing you know, they're playing everywhere. Mm -hmm. So, Jacob, what else? You know, obviously we know that you're a DJ. Um, What do you do when you're not DJing? Well, when I'm not DJing, if I'm at home, I am either lounging around watching TV, uh, playing piano. I still do like to play instruments, uh, play guitar quite a bit. I come from a blues background, and I used to play with the improvisational blues band once a month um, before I moved to Dallas. That was really fun. We used to have this guy that was an old uh, Woodstock hippie that he had this whole big piece of land, and then he built a barn, and he ended up making just a music studio out of it and was like, hey. Out of a barn? Yeah, he made a whole barn. He had like fucking like uh, drums, whole big nice sound system, a big dance floor. And was like any musician that was around would come and just jam with random people. And he would do it once a month. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was super fun. Super fun. So what about like, um, is this your full-time job or do you actually have another job as well? Uh, my full-time job is I am a work-from-home software developer. And I do full stack development, so that's anything from front-end websites, uh, database work, managing servers. So my daytime job, I I still am and always will be a nerd. Well, we got to be. I mean, we always got to have that extra hustle, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. At this point, you know, DJs, you know, well, DJing will pay the bills only so much, but you got to have that other grind that you do from whether it's eight to five or whatever time that you actually go in to, you know, motivate the dream. Exactly, exactly. Something something I like to rely on it. And I went this route of getting a degree, getting a job, then focusing on music versus the other way around, where a lot of musicians go, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it. And then they don't. No backup plan. And then they got no backup plan. So, What is your degree in? Uh, my degree is actually in game and simulation programming. And I ended up going kind of the more boring route instead of going into gaming and just kind of went into just normal business programming for stability because the gaming industry is very uh very cutthroat and very they will work you to death and it's kind of expected they always say you know it's called crunch time but it can't be crunch time when it's always crunch time and i've seen quite a few people get burnout on that stuff i still have a few friends that work at 2k and uh, Bethesda and random game companies, and they kind of aren't so happy. Is 2K now? Again, I don't know anything about software development and all the words that you just said regarding 2K. <laughs> but is 2K does that have anything to do with like NBA 2K? Like the uh, I, I think that's the right one. I think that's the right one. 
that that sounds right. I don't ever remember what games they are, but like the Bethesda one. So it's like the sports, like EA yeah, Sports. Yeah, I guess. it's kind of. Well, I think like they're that. different. They're, they're different. There's like you know, there's the Madden that's EA, and then there's the 2K, which is like the other, the off-brand. I guess would be a nice way to say that. You or is that a nice way to say it? I'm not a very big gamer. But <laughs> we're learning. But like the people that make Skyrim is. You probably heard of Skyrim. Oh yeah, you? of course. Yeah. I yeah. used to play Skyrim. Okay. Skyrim was yeah. the shit. In fact, yeah. now I've actually been seeing a lot of people upload um, the game with these mods. I guess where they can actually be like these these zombies. Oh wow! Yeah, and they're actually like slashing people. Yeah, the, the modding community is really interesting. They got a lot of free time on their hands and are really really creative. Oh, even for like GTA, like, I well, see so many mods in GTA. That's one of my one of my favorite more recent ones is I found it on Twitch, which it's they do GTA RP. So they do full role playing where they have people that play as cops and then the people you come in as a character and if you're like say you're you run a red light another player will that's a cop will come and pull you over get out of here and like run your license and like do a whole thing like it's pretty interesting if you ever get a chance on Twitch go to Twitch and look up at the GTA stuff and it'll say GTA RP so so do you actually like create your own license Oh, they they have like a whole system. Like you have an ID number, and that's what your license is. So it's almost like a real world. Yeah, in the it's virtual it's, world. it's 100 a real world. They create their own gangs. Like there's like drugs in the game. There's you know you can you buy guns in the game. You go heist banks, and if you heist the bank, alarm goes off, and then the people that are uh, role playing as cops will come and try and find you. So it's like an actual like kind of a lot more fun than normal GTA. Hmm. All I know is normal GTA, and I'll probably stick to that because if anybody has any type of mod, I'll probably just get slaughtered. I'll get caught <laughs> doing anything. I'll, I'll get caught running a red light, and then I'll go to jail and lose all my money. Yeah, it's kind of almost like, you know, where some people, I was always guilty of this. When you get bored while you're playing Grand Theft Auto, is you try to be a model citizen and try and not run red lights and be a genuine human in yeah, GTA. Yeah, you're like trying to actually play. Like they made an actual server where everything is very realistic. Holy shit. They even have like. Like trial lawyers, you go to court if get, you get get out of here. You, so you actually go to court. Yeah, yeah. They have people that are role playing as like a judge, and it's it's a whole thing, man. It's crazy. Oh my god, you got to pay taxes? Uh, probably, probably. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I'm gonna ask you a super simple question, just to get a little bit basic to All drop right. some. I, like, I always like those simple knowledge for the community. Jacob, what's your favorite color? Favorite color is always it's always a toss up between like neon green and black. I can't ever decide what I like more. Completely different spectrums. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you got super neon green. It's like when I'm when I'm feeling ravey or when I'm feeling metal. Like it just depends on what my mood is. I get it. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, hey, you want to be vibrant, but then again, you also want to show your dark side. Yeah, exactly. I can respect that. So, what uh, what's your favorite food? Um, it's either it's either tacos, tacos. You kind of can't go wrong with. They kind of go for. You know, everything. You have breakfast tacos and got your street tacos. Um, other than that, probably steak. Flour Just, or corn tortillas? Ooh, it depends on where it's from. That's that's the real that's the real toss up. Depends on where it's from. Okay, we'll accept that answer. Yeah, I like it. I like like if it's flour, it's coming from torchies and uh fuzzies. But pretty much all other like normal real tacos, I'll probably go corn. Normal real tacos, go for the corn. Go for, go for the corn. So what about when you're out enjoying yourself when you're not playing, or maybe even when you are playing? Do you have a beverage of choice? Like, what's your go-to? Uh, pretty much it's going to be Coke Zero 
Coke Zero for non-alcoholic, and then just vodka soda for alcoholic. Always got to keep a watch on the weight. That's the easiest way to not gain too much weight while you're trying to drink is Tito's and soda. Boom. Now we all know alcohol has calories. It does. Even if you're just sipping on the vodka waters. It still counts. It's got calories, especially it, if you eat. But it's going to be less than all the beer you're drinking. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. This is a question that um, I thought of kind of last minute. And it's mostly because I saw this really funny meme today of this girl that went to court and she was at court basically expressing that she tried to request a song from a DJ and he wouldn't play. And I was just like baffled that this even went to court. So what would you say as a DJ is the most appropriate way for a showgoer to request a track if you're playing at like a smaller event or, or, or a private event? Yeah, definitely. That's probably the biggest key right there is time and place um if you're at like say you're at some random top 40 bar in the middle of uptown or deep ellum then requesting a song like that is kind of sometimes to be expected like and that's okay you can go you can go up and do that a lot of good open format djs will definitely do that for you but say if you're at you know an edm event that's geared towards EDM and they have booked DJs. They were booked for a reason. They know what they're doing. Leave your request at the door. Don't do that. No request people. Like that's the, like that's the quickest way to make a DJ mad is like you requesting a song to us. Sounds like you don't know what you're doing. Well, especially like if you're, if you're in like a heavy side trance set and then someone comes out, Hey, will you play Elenium? It's like, yeah, Whoa. that's yeah. It's a no, no, no yeah. absolutely not. It's like, I'm doing something here. Like you can either, vibe or you can yeah, either get not with vibe it, and get out get with it go smoke for a little bit i don't know do something <laughs> but don't don't come in the middle of that so what about this so what if you are playing like a private event where you actually have people that can easily come up you're the only person djing and you're taking requests what is the easiest way for someone to make a request and also have you play it um having wi-fi in the house uh definitely because I only have what I have, and if you come up and ask for something maybe a little more obscure, but like if you're a top 40 DJ and that's kind of the event that you're playing for, or even a non-top 40, and someone asks you, you're like, hey, all right, this house doesn't have Wi-Fi. You have to have a way to get it, either if you're playing with a laptop, either via on your laptop. Uh, but if you're playing with like CDJs, it kind of gets a little more complicated because you, you have to put your music onto a flash drive before you get there. So you'd have to have your laptop. You'd have to like get another flash drive, get on the Wi-Fi, download it, export it from Rekordbox, and then plug it in. So it's kind of a pain in the ass. You kind of, if they have a laptop, it's probably reasonable that you can ask them to download it because they can drop it right in. But if they don't have a laptop, like you're probably gonna not have a good time. <laughs> well, it sounds like requests can somewhat be a bit difficult at times. Yeah, generally, generally they kind of are. So. I know everyone likes to think that their taste in music is great, but sometimes it's not, and sometimes it's more trouble than it's worth for like that two minutes of that one song you had to listen to. But, you know, I guess that that comes into where if you are trying to do private events, what I like to do is I always kind of get a feel for the audience of who's going to be there. So it's like, hey, who's coming to your party? They're like, all right, all these people like you know, house music. Okay. Then I go on a deep dive and hope that I can get 
most of the popular songs. And if you have to, go to Beatport, check the top 100, and say, all right, I'm going to download the top 20. Someone's probably going to come and request one of these. It's just kind of just do your preparation, do your research. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Well, you kind of heard it out there. The best solution is no requests. I mean, these guys yeah. are professionals. Jacob's a professional. Yeah, we know he knows what, what he's doing. doing. So let him do what he's doing. That's why he's there. Yeah, just let us do it. So I appreciate you coming on, Jacob. Is there anything else maybe you want to leave our listeners with? Maybe like a, a final a final uh, motivational uh, saying or anything in addition to what you do that you might want to share with us? Um, just uh, keep on trucking. And if you want to break into the DJ business, the one thing I can always stress is networking, 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 and networking. Don't go to shows to have fun. Go to shows to network and talk with people because that's how I got into the position that I am is I spent a good six to eight months where I didn't go to shows to have fun at all. I was there to meet club owners, people throwing shows, getting myself immersed in the scene and learning to for the right people to talk to. I got to say, too, I mean, networking, networking is, is twofold when it comes to anything that you do. I mean, you, you, you're only as powerful as your network and you could be the best producer or the best DJ out there. But if you don't know people and people don't know you, then essentially, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So like Jacob said, guys, you know, take notice of the crowd. If you get booked or you have a show or an event coming up, take a look at your crowd, see what's going on, see what they're relating to, see what they're jiving about and take the time when you go to events, when you're not playing to just meet people, network, introduce yourself, put yourself out there get known yeah exactly we're all there to have a good time meet new people so don't just come and sit in a corner and be weird unless you want to i guess but sometimes it's a little fun to be weird right? i mean you know i'm all about that i like the weird i do too <laughs> well shit man thank you so much for coming on jacob i appreciate it hey no and, problem uh, dude, anytime if people want to find you where can they find you uh facebook.com slash auto degenerate on all the socials as well instagram soundcloud all that fun stuff. Okay, so it's all just slash auto degenerate. I actually, yeah, I did. I was good about that and branding, branding, branding. Yes, yeah, so a lot of people fuck up with that too sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Well, awesome. Well, you guys heard it.